welcome to another edition of Conversations with the Artists with your truly DJ Timeless, the show where we talk to your favorite artists around the region. We hear more about them personally, and of course, we check out those top 10 songs. We hear about the writings, the touring, the jokes, all that and more right here on Conversations with the Artists. This week, we head to Trinidad and Tobago for a maestro, yes a maestro when you go to trinidad or even if you don't go to trinidad you know the name you hear his music you know who we are talking about even when you're discussing west indies cricket you cannot leave out his name in the discussion who are we talking about well his name is mr david rudder we welcome him to the show greetings sir how are you doing fine great Thanks to have you me. Great to have you here on Conversations with the Artists. Now, for those, watching, for those watching, and they may be asking, you know, who is David Rudder? Father, musician, painter, singer, normal people. <laughs> All of that. I like how the way you put it. Just a normal person. I like that. Yeah. Where did it start for you, singing the musical journey? Where did that start for you? It started in, I grew up in a place called Belmont, which is the heart and soul of Trinidad, you know? You know the song, Trinity to the Bone? Yes. When people, people from Belmont believe that Belmont to the core. So <laughs> it's even deeper than the bone, right? Down to the marrow. Wow. So I grew up, um, I st I, I, my, that was my first introduction to the world, this place called Belmont which was like an open university campus, you know? Um, all the steel bands, the Calypsonians, the athletes, everything you could think about, Belmont was it. So that's the kind of environment I grew up in. And um, I, I knew that I wanted to be in, in the arts from a very early age, so I had an advantage because, you know, most times you, as a youngster, you want to be a policeman, you want to be a fireman, you want to be a doctor. Your parents wanted to be doctor and lawyer. Yeah. Even, the, even today, that still stands. But um, I was gl glad to know that from the very beginning, I knew what I wanted to be. And that was to be an artist, performing art. What was that reaction telling your parents that this is the path you want to take? Was there any pushback saying, you know, no, David, you need to go and become a doctor or anything like that? Well, my, I think there, there's always a, the dream that you... you especially being the eldest, that I should be a doctor or something like that, you know. But um, funny thing is that my mother, never, who was very strict, never complained with, with my dealing with music, you know. Like she, she felt um, somehow like maybe that's, I knew what I was, I, was, I was going to do in this world, you know. And so she sort of stepped back and allowed me some space, which, is, which was kind of diff different for the rest of the children, you know, because yeah. she didn't make jokes. Yeah. Can you remember your first performance? Yes, it was. Um, I, I I went to Belmont Boys RC School, and there was a competition, and a singing competition one day, and they asked me if I I, I just I said let me I, I'm going to enter this competition, you know, and when I stepped on the stage, I felt a great peace, a great ease and and I at that moment that's that moment I, I I knew this is what I had to do for the rest of my life so that was very early in my in, in, 
That's how I started at the age of nine. Wow, from the age of nine. That's a mighty long time and at a very young age yeah. to know in yourself that this is the path. Along the way, you would have, you know, have the support of your moms. You know, you said your mom was a very strict lady, being the eldest. What was it like growing up with your, your, your other siblings and, and taking that path of music? It was, it, it was, I think everyone got it easy, you know, because my, two of my brothers are, are very good pan players. They play for a lot of the steel bands around uh, Belmont, St. James, uh, Woodbrook, all these areas, you know, all the steel bands, Invaders, Stardiff, so on. So uh, there is a bit of music in the family, but not, not as much as I have contributed, you know. Mm. And, and, and my, youngest, my youngest sibling, my sister, Charmaine, she's a lawyer, so... So the doctor lawyer <laughs> thing is covered. <laughs> so some somebody in there still brought it back. <laughs> somebody the represented there. Yes. Growing into your community and and growing into being the artist that you you are today, um, how was that like? Uh, what was the community like? What was the was were they backing you, supporting you as well? Yes. Once they realized that I'm, I was serious. And, um, you know, like, Belmont, right around the corner, f two minutes away from um, where I lived, less than that, actually, about a minute away, there was the City Kids Steel Orchestra. Over the fence was the Dixieland Steel Orchestra. Mm -hmm. Then there was the, the Sunland Steel Orchestra. Wow. Right? We had Lord Beginner right on the corner, 10, minutes, 10 seconds away from where I lived, the Great Calypso and the Lord Beginner. And... Um, then there was the Shango Yards, which is African, uh, it's, 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 it's African worship, worship form. And then there was the Arada Yard, which was another version of the same thing. You know, um, let's say the Shango was Catholic, the, 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 the Arada was like Anglican. But um, mm. so we grew up with Shango and Oshun and Obatala, Esu, Shapana, and all these, all these African deities and so on, you know. And you hear a lot of it in my music. When I talk about Bahia Gil, you know, that, that connection. Ileife, Ileife. Ileife is like the Vatican Rome to, to, mm. to the Yoruba people. It's like the holy city, like holy place, you know. That, wow. so, so that connection, all these things influenced um, who I became. And then there's the all-conquering all block. Every corner in Belmont, there's a block where you go, and every evening you hang out with your friends, you discuss politics, music, everything that you can think about passes on the block, you know. So everywhere there's always knowledge being passed down, shared, you know. Um, we had some of the finest madmen in the town, you know. <laughs> so, and this, I have a strange way of communicating with them. So I had a lot of times, I'd be, I'd be saying, you know, two o'clock in the morning with a madman discussing life, you know. So it, it was that kind of place where you it, it triggered so many, so many ma magical things in your brain, you know. So when you when you when you when you hear my songs and it, and you say what, how did you come up with that? Those were the days when I we had the block, the steel bands, the conversations with the madmen, and everything else, you know, all the all these all the mass players, the, the big big mass bands, Saldena, uh, Ken Morris, Jason Griffith, all these guys who made Carnival what it is today. 
they all come come out of Belmont at some point in time, you know. And so surrounded by music, surrounded by music, information, all help. Information and yeah, and then there was a, a part of Belmont that had a lot of the intellectual people, you know. Um, I remember, um, you know, they, they would have people like Derek Walcott. He still has a, you know, he rests his soul. His his theater workshop is still in Belmont, you know. Mm. Um, so there, there's a lot of of um, people who pass through on the uh, through the intellectual part of the society. So he had it from the intellectuals. Um, George Lamming, the great Bayesian writer, yeah. he said that he he he. He would not be who he is today unless he, if he had, he didn't pass through Belmont. He was part of that um, wow. literal literary group, you know. So that's the kind of place you're talking about. I've never seen anywhere like it before since. I don't think I'll ever see it until I leave here. <laughs> you started as a solo artist, then you joined the band brass band well charlie's roots the brass band charlie's roots talk about that journey uh moving into a band atmosphere well that was like about 20 years apart when i started uh, after I, my group uh, the solution disbanded back in the in the mid 60 middle late 60s mm -hmm. i was um doing a lot of like richie havens that kind of folk just me my guitar and, and singing all the folk songs about life in in the islands but life life anywhere you know but my my island vision of the same thing that you might hear bob dylan doing also you know so um i i i got the challenges but challenges by, by by an accident actually uh tambu had lost his voice the lead singer and they hired me to um to replace him until he, he came back. When he did come back, I, I just stayed with the band and Pedam and I, Pedam Goddard and I, we started to write, do songs together, you know? And um, that's that's what gave uh, Charlie's Roots the edge because we, we were the only band playing complete soca music at that time, you know? Um, the band's name was actually Sensational Roots. It was like the Sly and Robbie of, of, of Trinidad. The, ah. When you have a when you have a recording, you go to Charlie's Roots musicians to do the to do the background music, and then um, Ralston Charles, who is a great calypso entrepreneur out in out in New York, he said, "Why don't you guys come out on the road?" And he bought the first song system, big song system for us, and mixing boards and instruments, keyboards and drums and so on. So as a token of appreciation, the name of the band was Sensational Roots. And um, after that, we said, we were, in honor of Charlie giving us all these things, <laughs> that's all the band got to the name Charlie's Roots, you know? Wow. But it was purely by accident I, I ended up in the band. What was that journey like? Touching, touring, uh, being a part of a unit. What was that like? It was good fun, you know? It, um, we all stayed in the same place, so it was good camaraderie and um sometimes we'd stay by charlie so he had some apartments upstairs the studio and the record shop so we would we, we, we would just have to come through one door into the next door and put on some tracks you know so it was kind of 
all the energy of um, Brooklyn passing in front of you. Some of the best songs came out at that time, you know. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, even after I left Charlie's Roots, some of the best songs that I've written came out of that whole New York experience, you know. Wow. Katie was one of them. Since you talked about leaving, what happened that made you decide it is time? Well, there's a time when you feel like you're going in a, you're going in a different direction. Um, I think Roots, at the end of the day, basically was a band who played for Fets and so it's a party band. And um, my creative spirit was always different. Like, like for example, like a song like Buy Your Girl, you know, it, it was kind of unconventional. So it was so strange that it actually became such a powerful song because people were like, Shh. I, I kind of felt that this thing was powerful, but mm -hmm. no one else felt that way, including the members of the band, you know? Yeah. So I think even on that creative level, I always felt that, you know, like the, the separation was beginning, you know? And um, that's that sort of kind of, um, was the point when I realized it's, it's at some point we'll have to kind of go in different directions. But I still, I still play, use the same musicians um, along with new, new, new players. And then, mm -hmm. you know, my friend Wayne Bruno, he kept, became kind of like my right hand man too, you know, just as Pedam was. So, you know, it, it, was, it was, it was just like a natural transition after, after, almost 20 years wow that's yeah. that's a long time together and even although you guys are disbanded you still connect and still yeah, actually, play together actually the band still plays now and then you know but we, you know but but um and i play with them but you know i have my own my own band and sound you know so that's if so you know if you're now joining us, welcome to Conversations with the Artists this week, Trinidad and Tobago for the maestro, Mr. David Rother. Again, sir, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It's and my sharing pleasure. Your story. You talked about Baha'i Girls, so let's dive into this song, uh, the writings behind this song. Share with us. Oh, Baha'i Girl was, um, was actually written for Crazy. Crazy, uh, Crazy was looking for a producer for, for his, his album that year. So Ellis Chowlinon, who was the manager of Charlie's Roots, said, well, look, David, brother, here, he could write. Why don't you let him write for you? So Crazy said, yeah, yeah, David, write some songs to me. Write some songs to me. But right down inside, Crazy wasn't um, too happy about, about that, you know? So mm -hmm. he disappeared suddenly. And he, the next thing we heard, he was somewhere in, in the United States. So I had these songs that I had started to write for him. One was called Jump Up. One was called Buy a Girl. And the other one was called Madness. You know, because I'm thinking about crazy and the way he thinks and ah. the way he moves. So he had a song called Muchacha, a Christmas song where he say, Pilem, Pilem, Pim, Pilem, Pim, Pim, Pim. Hey, Muchacha. He met some girl from Venezuela. So I wrote a, wrote a song about crazy meeting a girl from, from, from Brazil, mm. you know? This lady real lucky, she bunks up with crazy. I, 
he, after he, he refused the song, I changed the line crazy to Sweet Me, which was a weak line, really, but, you know, at least, um, so, anyway, long and short of it, Crazy didn't take the songs, so I did Jump Up in 85, and that came second, third in the road match, and then 86, I, I, won, the, I won the crown with Buy Your Girl and The Hammer, and Buy Your Girl came like the mantra of the island, you know? Wow. So, 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 and the following year, I did Madness, right? So the three songs that um that crazy that I wrote, I wrote for Crazy became three big hits: Jump Up, Madness, and Buy Your Girl. Even today, um, it, it still is like that. I'm gonna ask you: Did time. you ever did you ever t told him that these were the songs that were meant for him? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We told him, <laughs> and he had. The funny thing is, we had done a song with about six, six, seven years before called uh, Jungle Fever. Yeah. And he had he came back with a song called Soka Tarzan. And when I listened to this song, I said, but crazy, that is Jungle Fever. A weak version of Jungle, Jungle Fever. So why <laughs> you, you, you leave to go and bring this weak song? And you had three big hits. Yeah, boy, yeah, boy. I, 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 I bounced my head with that. I say more than bounced my head. But I think sometimes the rhythm of life, life, I always believe life is a rhythm. And right. that the rhythm was supposed to fall in my my pocket, my my groove, you know, and um, my one, as James Brown would say, and um, it wasn't for crazy. Had I not kept those songs and and read read them by myself, who knows where I'd, I'd be today, you know. Very true. Well, let's take in the high girl coming on from Mr. David Rudder. <laughs> This Brazilian is mine As the music played, Lord She started to sing To this soca beat She put a samba swing Ding, 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 ding Ding, 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 baby, di mamba Ding, 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 ding Ding, 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 baby, di mamba Ding, 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 ding Talk to me about the phrasing of the, the lyrics of this song. <laughs> well, I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a time where, like I say, everything was rhythm. Right. right? All, all life is rhythm. So, so the, I have a way, like, like today when I listen to a lot of young, young people, the way they write, um, they just really write dialogue and sing it. But if I'm, if I'm doing a song, like, like, like Madness, I jump the wall about 12 o'clock. Are gone inside. Stand up, any people fed my eye, open wide. Everybody inside they like they fetting hard. But when you watch their faces, mama, you like they going mad. So I, I grew up with that kind of sense of sweet rhyme, you know. Sweet, sometimes four or five ways to say the same thing. I have to kind of decide which one I'm going going with. 
But um, you know, that's always been a part of how how I how I create. You know, somebody put you know, cutting down the weed well fast. Somebody letting the cocaine pass. Somebody planning to abolish the tax. Somebody planning to give me the facts. You know, it's always that kind of. So Bayer girl is no different. You know, this girl from Bahia, staying in Moruga. This lady real lucky. She bunks up with sweet me. As a man with a plan, but I really didn't waste no time. I make up my mind tonight that this Brazilian is mine. You know, so it's always that kind of multi-rhythmic, but always on the, on the one, as James Wong say. Nice. You, know? you also have a story behind this song where when it was translated into Japanese, it totally meant something else. Oh, no, that was Bacchanal Lady. Oh, Bacchanal, the Bacchanal Lady. Right, right, yeah, right. So I had I'd gone to Japan to do a show and a couple of shows and the, this reporter met me in the hotel in the morning and he said, um, tell me about this song, the, the Foolish Woman. So I said, Foolish Woman? What are you talking about? He said, uh, Bacana Woman. You know? So somehow, like the word Bacanal is very similar to something in Japanese that means foolish. Like, you know? foolish yeah. So the guy was a bit, like, he looked a bit disappointed. <laughs> 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 But I said, sorry, it wasn't about a foolish woman. She's up, it's the opposite, actually. She's independent and strong, you know? So that, that, must, that must have shocked you, though, I mean, to hear yeah. that, you know, Bacchanal made foolish or stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I remember some, some, a friend of mine was telling me one day, some rock band had gone to, to Japan, and something the guy said, and the entire audience lifted up pieces of um, two by four pieces of wood because of something he said something like <laughs> raise your two by four you know oh. it was very it was lost in translation you know <laughs> but i would say that one thing though um they would copy translate all my lyrics into japanese even down to the chanting and all you know very precise you know it's like it's interesting an interesting society that must make you feel good to have your music, people wanting to translate your music, and not just translate your music, but I mean, soul records as well. Yeah, yes, yes, that was, that was, that was, that was you know, you, you know that you're doing something, you know, if people can tell you like in different ways, thanks for the music, you know that you're doing, you're on the right path, so, and I'm happy about that. That's my paramount uh, joy, you know, I mean, it's good. You want to make some money and you want to be, live comfortably, but you know, just the fact that people say, yes, this song changed. I, I'll get a, Jap a Japanese friend who lives in, who actually lives in Trinidad, now he moved from Japan to Trinidad. When I met him, he said, 1990 changed my life. In, wow. in a proof, he said, that's it. From, he, he, he went to Trinidad and he never left. You know? Wow. So I see the effect that sometimes these songs have on people. And, you know, I said, well, I had to be doing something right. Since we, we kind of, we started the discussion on Bacchanal Lady, let's talk about the writing of this song. Right. Bacchanal Lady is basically, you know, Frank Sinatra had a song called The Ladies of Trump. She don't okay. go to crap games with, 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 with barons and earls. Don't go to Harlem and sabers and pearls. She don't ditch just the dirt, but not with the, she'll ditch the dirt, but not with the girls. That's why they say the ladies are trying because she she's independent, she's free, she hangs over the guys, and you know, oh, she's an old tramp. 
but it's, there's a power behind her, that sense of independence that she has, you know. So, the, so the, I, so the Bacchanal is a kind of Caribbean version of this lady, the ladies of Trump, you know, which is really to say she's powerful, she's independent, and she'll put you in your place if you, if you play the fool. You better come strong. <laughs> you know, come strong, or she will, she will take you on, you know, and mash you up. So that's it. that's basically what the song is about. How well? How how did the writing happen? Were you just feeling you were listening to some uh, French Sinatra? What 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 happened? No, I think I, I think I um all all the things all the elements kind of came together. Uh, I just I think I was observing someone who a woman who was like moving free and and, and fearless, you know, and that intimidates a lot of of, of men in society. You know, there's this fear of what she think, who she thinks she is, you know. And um, if you think you, you you have money and you're, you're big and mighty and powerful, and you think she 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 that that will pull her in, she she'll mix your milk with punch and rum. You pure, you're, you're holier than thou purity. She'll throw some rum in your milk. In other words, she'll she'll bring it back down to earth, you know. <laughs> so so I I remember just just observance the way certain women move, and I said yeah. this this this. It's a different thing here. This is not the subservient, you know, I'll do anything for you, for you, uh, whatever you want me to do. No, right. meet me on, 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 the, on the same level. Same level, yeah. And, and let me talk. And if you, if you talk strong, you stay alive. That like the lyrics says, if you talk strong, you stay alive. Else, don't bother, you know. And, <laughs> don't bother. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Well, let's take it back now, lady. Here she comes, here she comes, my Caribbean lady. Here she comes, here she comes, my Caribbean baby. Hey, Dudu, what man? Come and talk to your man a while now. You know I love you. <laughs> she's everything you think she's all about, and everything you dream she'll be. She lips could bring love water to your mouth. She's a bacchanal lady She will infect you with her ramage Melt you like a new day sun Take your status symbol high away She mix your milk with punch and rum She's bacchanal lady Sweet scandal when she walk Bacchanal lady Real magic when she talk Bacchanal woman Won't you come? Won't you make some love? She in a rum and coca cola don't try to fool she with no jive If you want a breakdown in she carnival You talk strong, you stay alive She neither here nor there, she everywhere Them people say she is a tramp But when she catch them in she atmosphere She go shame them sinful scamp She's back on a lady What it is you hide behind your eyes Back on a lady if you're now joining us, welcome to Conversations with the Artists. Trinidad and Tobago, we are spending some time with the man, the maestro, Mr. David Rudder. We just played Bacchanal Lady. Uh, I heard you can hear the, the, the music, the instruments. What is it like having that kind, knowing where we are now with a lot of the music, where uh, the instruments are computer generated, but to have that a lot of live element in your music. Let's discuss that. Well, it's a, it's it's quite different as you said today, you know. But um, that organic feel 
a, a lot of young musicians now are going back to that, you know, a lot of them have changed, have changed course and, and, and reversed. And um, it's good, even, even in terms of the vinyl, a lot of people don't want to hear, um, you know, like MP3 and, and all these things again. They, they actually want to get the, the vinyl. The vinyl. So the vinyl market is back on, on track, you know. That, 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 that founding natural vibration from the earth, that grounding, you know, stepping barefoot on the grass. That is what, that is what um, the real life players give you, you know. And all those songs, the thing about it is they were done in 20... Nowadays you have like 200 tracks of music and it sounds like this is like a, a subwoofer and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a loop, you know? Right. But it's 200 or something tracks. That was 24 tracks. And sometimes you would have to be like four, four people on the board pushing and pulling knobs at certain point in the song to get, you know? And wow. splicing tapes and it was like... It was like work, but it was like an enjoyable kind of adventure. And then, just as we finished the final mix, right behind the wall was the was the was the vinyl factory. So we just go back and pre press five hundred and send it out to the stores the next morning. You know, wow, it, that kind of life. And you know, I grew up uh, singing chorus with in the studio with Carl 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 Jacobs and his wife Carol and Patsy Holder. A lot of the background vocals you hear in Calypso's during the. 60s, 70s, you know, mm. with us. And um, sometimes we'd go in the studio on a, on a Thursday, come out on a, on, a, on a Sunday, but you don't even know which day it is because you're just inside their food coming. And after Dakota, who was the main arranger at that time, he would have six albums to do in that weekend. So we would be there doing six albums at one time. And by Monday morning, next, 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 and Monday morning, everybody printing their records to, to go to the store. You know, that's how vibrant it was at that time, you know. It's a, just a different scene. Now, now everyone has a little, a little computer in a room, and that's it, you know. But mm. the, the, that, that old feel of, 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 um, of just doing the thing and, and, and hearing it on the radio the next day was a different. It's just different. You know? to, to be able to spend the amount of time in the studio, you said, you know, you come out, you don't even know what day or two. Sometimes maybe, you know, you're not even sure what time the day it is. Yeah. Just imagine that? you have six albums and you have 12 songs, 10, 10 to 12 songs, right? You're talking about over 70 songs. So you're singing 70 songs of background vocals, sometimes two or three layers of vocals. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's now when you look back, I say, did I do actually do that? <laughs> you know? It's a lot of work, but it didn't feel like work because I, I, after people, I, I hardly have ever worked in my life. Because I don't consider what I do work. Mm. Some people have to go to nine, do the nine to five, and they don't like it, but they, they got to do it. That's what pays the bills, you know. But with me, that's 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 what I came to do, you know. So it's not work. You know. What is your writing style like? Do you sit and write lyrics or do you just listen to what's going on in the studio and then you, you, you write some lyrics? How, how does yeah. it work for you? Both ways. Sometimes I go with a melody and then put lyrics on it or sometimes I do with a, a lyric and put a melody on it. It's, um, it's, quite, I mean, it's very easy for me in that way you know, because I, I, it, it's like second nature. So sometimes I, I, I mix it, but it doesn't matter really. 
I, I, I basically, I, I listen to people on the street. I read, I read the newspaper. I listen to the news. I, I, I check everything that's going around around me. Listen to what people have to say. Cause like in Trinidad, like Trinidad has some of the best poets. It's just that they don't know they're poets. You know, I didn't know. People tell me I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a poet, but I say, but I, I never know that. I didn't think what I doing was was poetry, but the, right. the way that's just the way I see things, you know. So sometimes someone would say, "You see me? I go in and wine like I never christen." I say, "Where did I say that? I go in long tongue juve morning and I go in and wine like I never christen." And it kind of hit me that the kind of influence the church has on 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 on, on the kind of the sacred that you profane and and the, you know. Um, to, to decide to wine again, like if you're never christened, then you have a passport to do what you want. To do what you want. But, but you're going to defy all the teachings that you were taught, the things that were taught in the church. You're going to defy that and say, I'm going to wine like I never christened. And that now triggers something in my mind. And that's how the long time band came about. So I, I wrote a whole song about this band, which is really like the old carnival was dying. And this was the last hurrah, and one of the one of the people in the in the in this in, in this in this band was the Jamet, the woman who came from the other side of the town, or, or women and men, because they were geometric geometrically opposed to the norms of popular society. So it's, instead of diamet, which was a French uh, word, we kind of corrupt the corruption and say Jamet. But they were showing us this is the future. This is this is how you really express yourself, and you know you you on your trucks and because in those days the French Creoles would have carnival and they travel on trucks and so on, and these people were on the street whining and thing. So they, they were kind of against what was going on in popular society, you know. Yeah. So so she, the Jamet Enid in the second verse became the one who went to wine like she never christened. But that that was the catalyst for the song itself. You know? Wow. And everything else came, came after that. How many songs have you written in your career? I don't know, a couple hundred. <laughs> yeah. A cool couple but, hundred. Yeah, I have some that never, never um, recorded and some that were recorded and rubbed off. And it was, it's been crazy, but about, I, I don't know how much, but after 20 something albums, you know, it stopped counting. So those that are unreleased, are, are those going to be released at any point? I have some, some in the, in the, in the, in, the um, in, in my mind right now, but I can't do anything because it's a lockdown. All the studios are locked down. So once, once things, um, get freed up. And I've applied for a grant for, for to, to to pay actual live musicians to to do the work. So hopefully in the next year, within the next year, you'll hear something. Something. We'll hold you to that, Mister Rudder. We'll hold you to that. <laughs> in 1991, four of your songs were included as song tracks for the film Well Orchid. How did that come about? Well, I was I was signed with Warner Brothers, Sire Warner Brothers, at that time. Um, and the, 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 the person who owned, owned that um, publishing house was a guy called Seymour Stein, who was um, at one point Madonna's uh, agent. 
Sire was that, the, that 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 was actually Madonna's label, really. When you come to think about it, she made it. What is this? Anyway, um, the Salman King, the the, um, the producer of the movie, he done a movie with um, what well, I can't remember who the, with Mickey Rock and what's her name. Anyway, I can't remember, but but um, it was called nine half nine and a half weeks. And then he did a follow up with it in in Brazil called Wild Orchid, which which was called uh, Nine and a Half Weeks in Brazil, because it was a, it was the same. Um, he he explored this, a sexual genre style. In uh, that was his vision was um, some kind of erotica. He always had erotica. He had a, a series on TV called The Red Shoes Diary. <laughs> so he had that kind of line, you know. But he had this. He, he asked for some music from a guy called Andy Paley. He was doing the soundtrack. And Andy Paley was frustrated in the office, saying, "He don't know. I don't know what this guy wants. I don't know what this guy wants." And and the guy was on, Zalman King was on the phone with Seymour Stein, and I walked in the studio the same the office at the same time, and he said, "Look, David, rather here." And it turns out, the only I did a song called "Just for Carnival" for the for the song track, and the only song he liked was "Just a Carnival." So he said, "Well, let David rather go with him and see if he can come up with something," and wow. that's how we came up with the other songs. You wow, know. that must be amazing. Yeah, but the thing is, they were kind of surprised because um, the way the ease and how fast I write, you know. So it's because within about two hours, we had all the all the songs. Wow, and the, and the rest is history. And not only did you have songs as song tracks for movies, <laughs> but you've also appeared in in one as well. Yeah, the same way, Lockheed actually. I was um the movie actually ends with me on a truck <laughs> with a, with a Bayana singing singing just a carnival but um and the thing about that is it's a, it might be a piece of history hollywood history because he did a, a, a film after with Martin Sheen and Redon Chung called Boca mm-hmm. and I I was hearing my music again in the same the same music from Wild Rock in, in Boca so it, it's a first in probably hollywood history where Two movies had the same music in the background. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you also took to, to the screen uh, with Sugarcane Arrows. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, that what was, was written that like? by a, well, that was written by a friend of mine called Debbie Jacobs, a journalist in Trinidad. And um, the whole thing was she had this idea for this story. She grew up when she came to Trinidad. She was she she grew up in in Central Trinidad. And he, as you say, in the cane fields. So it was one of those stories about rural Trinidad. Yeah. And um, simple people, the, music, the Calypsonia, and the, the people with the, trying to just make life happen for themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, and the thing about it is, we never really had rehearsals for these things. We would show up on the scene, she would type a, a, a new um, couple of pages of new dialogue, and camera on and you go and you do your thing <laughs> and the next day she'll come with the next couple pages and so and it turned out to be a hit because um it traveled across the, the caribbean and um certain parts of north america uh, so much so that one day i was in um in miami airport and two jamaican girls were sitting on next to me and they say are you david rather that i say yeah and this, they watch me like if I do them something. So I say, well, <laughs> did I offend you? <laughs> but 
why didn't Eddie Gill go? So they, 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 got, they, were, they were following the story in, in Jamaica. And she, the, the time I, I made the, the girl, everyone was thinking that she, she's going to stay with David she, Bolt, you know, that they were like, she was going to stay with Bolt. And <laughs> she ended up leaving on, the, on, the, on a jet plane. So they were angry with me for letting her go, you know. Sometimes, even in Trinidad, walking on the streets, like I went to, to, to do some work in a, in a, in a, um, to get some Xerox copies. And the lady, wouldn't, she wouldn't attend to me. People coming in after, and she attended to them. So I said, excuse me, I've come in here. Everyone is being attended to. She said, why are you letting girl go? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to know. You should leave here. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> so people take on these things. These, to me, it was, it was fun. And it was like, okay, what's the new, new thing today? You read your page. You say, all right, let's do it. And you do your thing. But to... To, to people who are looking at it, they actually get into it to such a degree yeah. that, you know, that they, they, they forget the, that it's not, it's not a reality, you know. It's a take wow. on reality. But <laughs> that was fun. David Rudd, the musician, the actor as well. I, I like it. I really do like it. Let's get back to some of the music and uh, High Mass. Yeah. This is a very interesting song because... Clearly, there is a message in the song, but even for those who may not believe in Christianity or, or have that feeling for, let's say, God or, or even religion, still sing this song with conviction. So let's talk ab about this song. Where did it start? Well, it's, it's like I, I talked earlier about living in the rhythm of life. That's, that's, that's my main guru. That rhythm of life is the way things happen. It happens for a reason. So, when I was born, my mother uh, baptized me as an Anglican, and then my grandmother was an African Baptist. She took me up to lead a hunt, and they, they did the offering up. I know if you remember this, the movie Roots, where they offered up kint, Kunta Kinte, the same yeah. kind of ceremony. So then I became a, a spiritual Baptist. But when I entered primary school, Father Graham, the, the, the priest said, he cannot come into this school unless he's a, a, a Roman Catholic. So they took me and they baptized yeah. me over the third time. So I ended, ended up in Belmont Boys RC and I had to attend Roman Catholic Church. But the music in me was, I was always fascinated by the draw, in those days, the, the whole mass was said said in Latin, not English, and um, I would listen to them. Father Graham and the, the choir singing, you know, Dominus Veritas, Dominus Veritas, Amen. It's like a drone, you know, a Gregorian. It's called a Gregorian chant, and so I would be, I, I'd be lost away. In, in this music, you know, it didn't matter what the priest was saying or what have you, but the music, I remember even in Belmont Boys RC School, I, I received a, a gift from, from a, a teacher called Mr. Lewis. He had all the keys for the school. And um, I would be lost away while he's teaching his, his history. 
and I would be tapping the desk and my eyes are closed. And he stopped and he threw the bunch of keys and I got it right here. <laughs> I never forget that. But it, it meant that everywhere, everywhere I go, even in class while he's talking, there's a rhythm around his voice. So that's my, so I, I'm tapping and I'm, I'm not hearing what he's saying. And he's, he stopped, looked at me, the whole class turned and looked at me. I, I was the only one who, who didn't wow. see that or didn't feel the vibe until I felt the bunch of keys. So it's the same thing that happened when I went to the church you now. And Father Graham started it, you know, um, Et Cum Spiritu Tuo, Dominus Vobiscum. And when this, in this no, one note, I said, but this is such, it's one note, but feel it vibing, vibe changing. It's one note, but, and so that song, I think at that point in time, wrote itself. So it took about 30 something years to, to manifest, as a, you know. But um, it was basically to tell people, look, especially the Catholic people, the Catholic faith, that there's a certain, there's a certain um, fear of, 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 of being too, too happy or, you know, some, some people talk to say the same thing about Jewish guilt, mm. you know, so this don't move out your crease, you know, so the song was basically saying, listen, move out your crease. Come out on the street. You don't have to wind down to the ground and do that. You just come and celebrate life. Come and celebrate the living. Yeah. You know, come on. You know, and um, and then there's a. It's funny enough. I met um, a young Jamaican artist called Serani, and he just about a couple of years ago he said, "I want to meet you because high mass have five hooks." No song I've, I've ever heard in this whole world had five hooks. And he pointed the five hooks to me and I said, but I, I, I never knew this. I just write the song like that, but, you know. So it, it's, keep, it's taking on a life of its own every couple of years, you know. It's just, it's just, it's just a strange thing, but it's like, <laughs> it, it's, that song is like, sometimes I feel like it's over a thousand years old. Yeah. Can you sh can you share with us the five hooks? Oh, first he said, "Everybody hand raise." That was the first first hook. And then, and if you know what I mean, put up your finger. Know what I mean? Put up your hand, right? And then, oh, oh, oh give John. That was the third one. And then, everybody come and celebrate. Yeah, that's the fourth one. And he said, "Ooh, eh, eh." And I'm a country. So every couple bars along the line, you're hearing a different hook and taking it at a different level, you know? Wow. So I say, but you know, you, have to, you leave me. I went home and said, I think about this thing now. <laughs> he said, no, but find a song that has five hooks in the history of music. I, I, I don't know, but <laughs> he, he, he came up with that. You know, and it was interesting that a young Jamaican artist recognized in a different that. genre recognized that. You know, that's 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 the interesting thing about music, the beauty of music. That is that is it right there. Well, let's take a listen. Hi, Mass. Give praise, children. Give praise. I give praise, children. Yeah. Give praise. I give praise, children. Yeah. 
I know before you were talking about the madmen and, and, and getting inspiration from the madmen as well. I think this is a perfect time to bring in Madman's Rant. <laughs> share, share the story behind this song. Well, I always had, like I said before, I, I don't know if I'm attracted to madmen or madmen attracted to me. <laughs> but I always have a way of having conversations with them, you know. And they say some of these, some profound things. They talk, say some things that they can't be. Where they get that from, you know, in, inside that twisted brain, some of the twists are, are fruitful too, you know. So it was a, it was always a view of Trinidad society and the, the fact that we, we're not as far along the road as we should have been, and in some ways we have got sort of like made our step forward and two step backwards, you know. So looking for some kind of some kind of way to to sort of reflect exactly what was going on through that, you know, and hearing a madman say, this is it, I've been hit. I said, no, but, but I can't quit. Hit, you know, so a very simple thing like that, you know something? The lowest man in society has found the answer to how we could turn society around. If he oh. said, he, don't try to give up, don't try to quit, don't try to quit. Who am I to try to quit and give up on, on society, you know? So that was the, um, and the polit politics was so, it's always been a little poisonous, but it is so poisonous then. Heated. That <laughs> I started to, to, to say, like, somebody promising this, everybody promising that, someone promising this, you know? And I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not one of these people who like to take cheap, cheap shots at, at, at politicians, you know? Um, they have to do a job. Some do do it well. Some don't do it well, you know. But they they, they offer themselves up themselves up. A lot of them for the love of the country. A lot of them offer themselves up for, for greed and so on. We understand that. But you know, listen to the people, the promises and the all the um, you know what we what we're going to do and what we're not going to do and so on. It just kind of get empty, you know. Yeah. So I am I am the everyman pointing out all the promises and and at the end of the day I'm saying, you know who who who, who um found the solution to what going on there? A madman. The man who stood step over in the, on the street in the night. He's the man who said, Don't give up, don't try, don't try to quit. So deal with that. And that's 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 the madman right there. To recognize that this song is still relevant today must be worrying for you as a person, yeah. as an artist. Yes, because um, a lot of people play that song is played a lot like it's a brand new song, you know, and uh, a lot of people when they realize it's over, the song is over 30 years old, you know, but almost 30 years old. Um, and nothing can change because if people saying, you know, that man, the way you're saying they write, you know, you know, and still, still being aired and still be, be, being discussed all these years after. If you, if you want to know anything changed, listen to this song. That proves that nothing much can change. You know. Well, let's listen to the song "Madman's Rant," David Rudder. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
the song has released yeah we're still fighting and we're still going through the same thing song in this <laughs> in the song really yeah yeah it's so really amazing since we're talking about madman's rant and we kind of discussed madness earlier uh with crazy <laughs> let's go to this song since they're both related yes somewhat <laughs> same thing <laughs> One is a real madman, the other is walking mad. The walking mad views the mad, the, 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 the genuine mad as um, inferior, but is everybody mad really? <laughs> That's a different level, a different way of, 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 of insanity, different type of insanity. Let's take it in. Madness coming on from Mr. David Rudder. <laughs> Weed. This is not a fed in here, this is madness. This is not the kind of jam where you stand like a chupidi begging for mercy. This is not a fed in here, this is madness. Everybody mad. the madness from a different point of view give you the party side of the yeah. madness <laughs> yeah yeah the, the fact is itself is Trinidad and, and Tobago the, so I am the observer of what's going on the madness that's going on in society you know all the, the it was a time when um, oil had gone down to about $10 a, a barrel and you know things were in total uh, chaos and turmoil and um Everybody started to, 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 to lose their jobs, which is happening right now again. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, um, the oil fields closing down and this and you know. So, but, but everybody's um, like they're just realizing that the great leveler is here now, which is pain and suffering. You know, the the, the girl who works who went to Holy Name and was working in Texaco, which is a prestige job. She and an ex-dude man, a dude man is like one of these guys they, they pay, the government pays to sweep the streets. And, and you know, and um, she gone with him in the Fed. So in other words, all every, the French Creole who was the, the people who commanded the, the they had the, they controlled the commanding heights of society at that point. Mm-hmm. They, their business spaces closing down. The union men, there's nobody, no, nobody else in the union again because you can't pay union dues because you ain't working. So right. everybody kind of level, get leveled, right? And everybody mad, gone mad, but they don't know they're mad, you know? So it's like, um, and the interesting thing is, the chorus, where we go in St. Anne's, we go in St. Anne's. St. Anne's is the place where the, um, the, the, the mad, what we call the madhouse is, is, you know? When, when someone loses their mind, they send him to St. Anne's where they have the best psychiatrists and so on there. Sint- the, 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 mad, the madhouse in St. Anne's, as, as they call it, is next to the Prime Minister's resident. <laughs> so, so when we go in St. Anne's, it's like you're marching on the Prime Minister's resident. Or maybe, it's not that he's saying, maybe you're marching, on the, you're marching towards the um, madhouse to, mad to check yourself in. You know? Which one is, re- is re- where we go in St. Anne's, but where we going, where is it, where is it, why are we going there? Mm. We're mad, we're mad. In other words, we're mad as hell and we won't take it anymore. So it could be going to the Prime Minister, or it could be going to the mad, mad house and saying, we're we mad, so we take us in, you know? Interesting. So it's, it's interesting. So it's, it's the different dimensions, of different levels of the, um, of the conversation in that song. And people don't realize that, you know, you can, you can still party to it and don't care whether, what it means. So it, it covers all the different areas, you know. And um, it was actually going up the, at that, at that point, it was going up the BBC charts. Um, and, until someone in the BBC said, the line, that kind of head couldn't come from weed. And you cannot use a word like weed on, on the BBC. So that mm. was the end of the song. But, you know, <laughs> it's... it's it's, yeah, but but it's it's interesting. Very interesting, and your your story alone, sir, is very very interesting. In 1996, you were appointed a goodwill ambassador to the United Nations Development Program. Can you share that journey with us? It, it was I got a call from Mr. Van Einhoven from what is the Swiss Embassy, and um. He said, we think you, what you're doing for this, um, in your society is, is great. And, you know, I think, would you like to take, you know, messages to the, U- the UN and so on and represent the Caribbean? So I said, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'll give it a try. So the next thing you know is I'm, I'm, I'm at the UN headquarters. <laughs> I, I remember my first morning there, and um, entering the, the UN is like entering. A, in those days, the airports were still fairly, fairly free and open, and open you know, until nine eleven. But um, 
what you have to go through in the airport now, you have to go through in the UN then. So I'm in line waiting to go inside to the General Assembly. And um, someone, one of the security guards say, telling people, get, take off your this, take off that, put on this, put it on the belt, please. Do not, do not go in your shoes. So the same talking strong in New York, you know, that New York accent and thing. And people taking off shoes and this and that. And then he says, hey, King, it's you. <laughs> It was a Trinidadian. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you go through, you pass through. So, when I go, when I, later on in the, in the morning, everybody shoo, 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 in, shoo, shoo, in. Say, we know he's a king. We're trying to find out which country, you know, which country he's, he's king of. So, <laughs> so, then another one come up to me and say, King, I just go, I just want to I just want to say thanks for everything. Eh? I said, all right. I said, but wait, how much Trinidadians work in here? He said, plenty of we. <laughs> 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 so, so, the, so the people going over thinking I'm some sort of king from, from Africa or something. Af like, like it's like Eddie Murphy coming to America. You know? <laughs> so they say he's a king, but we can't figure out which country he's king of. And, and then the Trinidadians come and say, hey, king. And bonking me bonks on the kind of thing, you know. I see, but you know, so that was my first first morning at the UN. But it was a, it was a, it was a pleasure to um, to talk about the issues in in, in the world, especially around women. And um, I had, they they used to divide us, us up into pods, and I was so fortunate. To, um, it was Danny Glover, the actor. The Kimbe Mutombo. Um, there's an Englishman called Mark Malakbrong. He's not Lord Malakbrong. So all these people were part of that um, circle when we discussing how we're moving forward and so on. I kind of fell into the groove um, pretty quickly, you know, until um, as the children started to grow, I had to sort of um, <coughs> take a side. Let me put it that way. But it was a great experience, you know. Um, I lost a, that mo that that same morning, Angelina Jolie had just joined. So, mm. um, you know, you're kind of mingling with all these people, and it's like there's no, I am this and that, I am that, I am that, I am whoever. It's just people trying to discuss how we moving forward, what we could do to to help in our societies and somewhere some someone else in the society yeah. you know so it was a great experience i still do little things for them now and then you know um if they have a seminar in, i went to a seminar in panama some time ago and but it's not 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 it's, it's very it's very heavy on the language the conversation angle of things you know it brings out yeah. a lot of emotion in people people come out it's it's very very intense you know if they could take some of that intensity that that, that goes on in the, the boardrooms and, and so on and get it done in a real manner. Yeah. But interaction, we wouldn't have a, that big Palestinian problem, Israeli, Israeli problem right now, I believe. We would have gotten closer to something. But that is the rhythm of the world, you know? You do what you have to do and 
I hope it, it, it's something sticks somewhere. One of your biggest albums to date, Haiti. And of course, there's a track called Haiti. I'm sorry on that album as well. Yeah. Let's discuss that song. Why you felt you needed to write that song, produce that song and put it out there. Well, strangely, some of my most potent songs are uh, were written in New York. Um, Haiti was one of them. And it's, and it was a simple incident that happened in Brooklyn. I was staying with a friend of mine, and um, we usually paid three dollars by gypsy cab to for where we were to home. And the driver was a Haitian this time, and he said four dollars. So I paid him four dollars, and my friend said, "What are you paying him four dollars for?" Them they always try to get more money out there. I said, "Listen, listen, you know the history. Even if even if that is true, you know the history of Haiti. I don't care about." Haiti, well, history of Haiti and thing. So that kind of triggered some idea in my head, you know. Maybe he is just one of millions of people who don't know, have a clue of what's happening. You know, just like the French Caribbean don't know what's happening in the English Caribbean, or the Spanish Caribbean don't know, you know, and so on and so on. So I said, let me write a song about Haiti, and maybe it might help to, 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 to change attitudes. But little did I know it would, be, it would have been so um, so powerful. And still, even just, just now, someone, there's a film festival in Trinidad, and someone just said, called me and said, I was looking at a Haitian film, and they started by saying, Haiti, I'm sorry, we misunderstood you. You know? So even today, even as we speak, I, I just had that conversation with someone at the film wow. festival. So the song is still alive, and, and, and I don't want to say going strong, because I think... I would, I would love to see that song fade away because things would have been addressed. But it's still there because nothing much can change again. I did, I did with them, you know? So that's the catalyst for that song. That's how that song came about. Let's take a listen. Haiti. <laughs> times when you leave the stage and not sing this song but then 
there's that noising. Mr. Rado, there's something you're you're missing a song. Yes. That song used to be like during the days in, in Trinidad Fets, one one a.m. in the morning, one one between one and one thirty was the best time to to really go and perform because the crowd and everybody sipped their little liquor and they they're ready. <laughs> and and we would play all the all the all the up tempo tunes, madness and all these songs. What the latest soccer hits and thing. And then at about one thirty I would say, All right, all right, I won't touch all anymore. And we start Haiti. In the middle of Carnival, every night. That was the song people were waiting for. Wow. No, you no, you can't believe that now because if you go to a party now, everything is high speed and you know. But that was when Soka was just mellow and powerful, and people people came to hear Haiti. And the reason why that happened, um, I think, too, is two weeks after that song was released, they kicked Baby Duck out of, of Haiti, and it was all over the news. You know, everything was um, Baby Duck out of Haiti, Haiti, and went, you know. And um, the conversation was like, how you know that was going to happen? I said, no, it's not about knowing it's going to happen. It's just that it happened that way. That's the rhythm of how how my life has always gone. So it just so happened that Haiti, Baby Doc left Haiti at the same time. The whole world was focused on Haiti. And then when I cooled down in December, Manuel Norega raised up a, a silver cutlass and said, tell George Bush, senior come on bring it on and the americans went into to panama so the so people started, started to play panama and um all these steel bands played panama panama for, for panorama so much so that the uh, journalists call it panorama panama rama you know and and then for carnival into january they started to play bacana lady and as just as carnival is over was the cricket cricket in the West Indies, and they started to play rally. And then in May, a, a DJ called Phil Simmons he started to play the the engine room. So it's like a jumbie record, a jumbie album. All the, the events took place and sort of just fell in the lap of the music. It was wow. strange, and all these songs today still still like brand new, you know. Very much so. If you're now joining yeah. us, welcome to Conversations with the RTC. We are chatting with the man, the maestro, David Rudder, representing Trinidad and Tobago. Mr. Rudder, Calypso Music, another song that I, I, I cannot... It's just so infectious. Share with me the writings of this song. Well, that came out because um, the year before, I had, I had won the, the crown in Trinidad. And the Calypso Monarch, the Young Kings, the Road March first and second. Um, and it was, so there was this feeling that I, I came to represent a change in the Calypso, right? With this new music I bring, bring in, which is not Calypso, to a lot of people. So, what he, the, the, the people every day I would hear, what he know about Calypso? We will get him next year, and you know. So the the, the, the I'm a I'm a Taurus, so the bull in me say, eh, is, so that's what they think. So I kind of just I think all my energy just um I just focus on writing a song. That's to say, in case you feel I don't know about Calypso, 
I know about Calypso. I have been correcting <laughs> your lyrics in because what one thing we used to do when uh, background vocalist in the studio, somebody like Calypso, you know, I bring in a song, and you might say, why you don't say this instead of that? Because the song is more effective. And they say, yeah, boy, you're right. So I figured I I knew enough about writing music and writing lyric. And I've been in the in the in the music for such a long time mm-hmm. that, that I could could answer them. So Calypso music wasn't the answer for them, you know. And um, the only thing I don't I, I don't um, know where it came from is the opening line of the song. I don't know where that came from, but up to the day they argue, people argue about it being they're trying to say find a, find an opening line to be to match it. But can you hear a distant drum bouncing on the laughter of a melody? I don't know where that comes from. Wow. I just let it be, you know. But that's how that's how I knew the song was ready to go on. And the musicians played with a kind of energy. There there are so many drums on like Jaja played drums on it. There are so many musicians play on that record. All the be bounced because it's only twenty four tracks. You know? But if you hear the among the things inside of that, you can't hear it with the, with the ear just like that. But it, it's more to feel it. You know, mm-hmm. I think the feeling feeling it is, is the thing. But the amount of of rhythms and things went in. Everybody was like thinking, maybe probably thinking like me. They want to they want to hear about Calypso music. Let me show you Calypso music. And so the power of that song, it it, it was the roots planted so deep. That's why. That's what I do with all my songs. I say, you, if you just drop a seed, it might catch, it might not catch. But if you plant a seed, if you plant it deep, it takes a little time to, to catch for people. But when it, when it surfaces out of the out of the earth, it, the root is permanent. It holds that tree steady and strong, you know. And that is calypso music, right? That's a metaphor. Well, let's take a listen, calypso music. <laughs> You can hear the music, you can yeah. feel it. Wow. And it's yeah, still so fresh. Yeah. I even played drums on that. 
Really? The Brazilian Quaker. That's me playing. So you know, so I was even part of that that part of the creation and all. You know, not just creating the song, but the arrangement and it's it came from far. Share with us one of your most memorable moments in performing or just touring. Ah, boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Glastonbury was special. That's a big festival in England. Um, the headliner that night was, was Susan Vega. She had a song called My Name is Luca about a, a child being abused and so on. But um, they, they put me on to open. And I think that, I think that was a problem. <laughs> because people say, people started saying, we want the Calypso guy, it's a chant. You know? So she, things didn't go so well with Suzanne. <laughs> you know? Sometimes these things happen. True. They happen in Barbados too. Um, at the stadium, Gloria Stefan. And and um, Miami Song Machine, and I opened that show too. Well, the rest is history. You know, so sometimes, <laughs> sometimes these things are, these things happen. But those are things I remember. You know, to be recognized around the world as one of the greats. I, I don't think you can go anywhere and people not know who David Rudder is. Oh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Like, like my, my, my son actually just put up a thing on Facebook. He's saying, people meet him and say, Where's your, does your father still sing? You know, so that's right. <laughs> so people, you see, the world is, um, is, is a five second world now. Eh? If you get somebody to, to, to concentrate for about 10, 15 seconds, you've done well. You know, it's, it's an it's a instant world now with, with this computer age, you know. So there are many places who, they know my know my music and they don't know who it is, you know. So there's still a lot of a, a room to pe people to captivate and to bring into the fold, so to speak. Fair enough. Fair enough. The song "The Hammer." Share share with us. <laughs> well, that was um the band leader for the, my my favorite band called the, the Desperados. The leader was a, a man called Rudolf Charles. Some people call him the Hammer. Some call, people call him Trail. Some people call him the Dragon. But um, when he passed away, Pelham and I decided. Pelham said, well, "Let's do one for the for, for um, the Hammer." I said, "Who's the Hammer? Who's the Hammer?" He said, "That's one of Rudolf Charles' names, you know." So I said, "Well, what did they, they call him any other name?" They say he called him Dragon. They call him Trail. You know. There's a movie called Walk Like a Dragon, you know, and, and people like who, who grew up, especially um, in the roots of society, the main form of entertainment when I was growing up was the, the movie houses. So we go and watch all these Western movies and yeah. movies. That, there's, a, there's a movie called Walk Like a Dragon, and that's that's how they saw Rudolph as this, this, this tall, lumbering leader. Walking like a dragon, so he had the name Dragon. So I said, you know what? When I when I decide to put lyrics to this song, and um, I 
I said, you know, I, I won't call his name. I won't call Rudolf Shah's name. I call the nickname. So that's why I call his name the song the hammer. Mm. And then the dragon don't walk the trail. So all the all the nicknames were, were used. The dragon don't walk the trail no more. I never said Rudolf Charles, you know, you know. I think just at the end I said Charlo to end the song. But I used the nicknames as the um, catalyst for driving the song along in, in, in that kind of lyrical energy, you know. Well, let's take a listen. The Hammer. <laughs> Somewhere up in Lavantine, many years ago, a man had a hammer, used to follow him to and fro. He used to use it to pong a pan, or sometimes a stupid man, all in the savannah, never miss panorama. One day the old hammer just disappeared, oh, some say that it vanished in the air. Away the man with the hammer gone. Song, you know, sing along with the songs and party to these songs, but to actually hear the real stories behind the songs and the meaning yeah. behind these songs, I hope that you guys are really appreciating this this episode of our conversations with the artists, Mister Rudder. In two thousand five, you were conferred with the uh, Doctor of Letters from UE in Trinidad. When you received that call. What was that feeling like to be honored? I just I felt like, like I guess when a little more, but a little stronger, I guess. But like when I was given the the, the hummingbird medal, silver from the president of, of Trinidad and Tobago, Noor Hassan Ali. Um, I felt quite honored. It was almost like a, another extension of. The fact that the people of the Caribbean chose Rally Round the West Indies as, as, the, as the anthem for the, for the team, it felt like that. It felt like if that was the, the other half of the, of the cake, mm-hmm. you know? That, the, I got honor from uh, the people across the islands, and now the people across the islands on the, on the intellectual level are saying, thanks for what you've, you've done so far and what you, what you still have to do. You know, we we hear you, we appreciate you, and you know, that is that is um, paramount in my my spirit. You know, that um, it tells me that I haven't I, I have I haven't done anything wrong. I've done everything right. That's that's how I feel. Fantastic. Let's move on now to. Another song. Uh, this one, I think, is is very dear to Trinidadians. But as a DJ, I've seen this song playing facts. And even if you're not a Trinidadian, you're singing to this song. 
this track called Trini to the oh. Bone. I was not going to say, I wonder what is that song you're talking about? <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it for myself. I've been to St. Yeah. Lucia. I've been to, you know, obviously Barbados and other Caribbean islands and play. Yeah. And when this song comes on, loud and clear, people are singing Trini to the Bone. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about this song is that I've, I've, if I've done 99 songs, 100 songs, I've done about nine. 98 of my own and two of, of someone else and that was one of them you know that was written by a, a man called ian wilshire um i, I said uh, he asked me if I, I would sing this song so i said on one condition i could take this song and do what i, what I want with it to get the best out of, of it. and he agreed and the rest is history but that's one of the few songs that not my my writing you know, it's his, his song. Well, it's still your writing because you took what was there and you made it your own. So it's right. still some, your, some of your yes, writing yes. in there. <laughs> but I, I mean, get what lot, you mean. Yeah, yeah. But, but the thing about it is that people, people I just let people know that, that I didn't write this song. You know? Well, let's take a listen. Trinity to the one. in the sun Islands in the fun spending this time with us right here on Conversations with the Artists. Advice for young creatives like yourself. What would you tell them from your history and what's happening yeah. now? Don't give up. Absorb information. Check everything around here. Listen to, listen to the ground. Listen to, to what people have to say. Listen to the news. Listen, listen, to, listen to the madmen. You know, and um, I always tell young, youngsters, um, it took me 21 years to become an overnight success. You know, everybody know David Rutherford suddenly in 86, but that was my 21st year in the business, you know. And um, if you're young and you make a, and you falter, you can always dust off and come again. But when you get older and you, you fall, you might be able to get back up, you know. So... Listen, learn, and you'll be surprised to know how absorbing knowledge helps the creative, the creative process. 
because it is bouncing people's vibes back at them in a sweet way. That's what it really is at the end of the day. You know? Even in, these days of, even in these days of anger. You know? You've heard it even from the maestro time. himself. He's sharing the knowledge. So guys, stick with it. Learn, read, pay attention, and really create that music. The final song, Mr. Rudder, like you said before, you know, it became the anthem of West Indies cricket. When the boys are doing well, even when they are down and out, even when the light is looking very dim, this song just inspires not only the cricketers, but also those in the Caribbean. Share with us the writing of this song. It was um, listening to, to people in, 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 this, in this stadium talking about bad mountain or heroes, you know? Their the time is coming to, to an end because you can't be running the, running, running the world for, for 20 years and not get fatigued and Time is time takes 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 care of you takes care of you in that way. Say, listen, boss, it's time to kind of make a move. But um, because we weren't we weren't winning as we used to be, it was getting tougher. They started to have grumblings. I'm listening to everybody, and people people grumbling and why they should they should drop here and why why they pick this one and that one, and I, I said to myself, you know. This is the time when we, we have to sort of, yes, we have to look for new talent, but at the same time, this is not how we treat our heroes, you know? And that's, the, that's how I, I reacted by writing that song. No one forever, because heroes will come, heroes will go. And once we treat them with that kind of respect and love, they will do, they will play better. They play better for the, you know, even in these times where Everything is a, is is a mighty dollar. Something deep inside wants them, compels them to, to be the best they can be. And even even look at the team now. Even though they had, we don't have the talent of as the did of Richardson and Lara and so on. They they they're working hard. You know they they they're doing it. So stick with them. Stick with them. And and I know most of the people who are grumbling. Will never leave supporting the West Indies, but they have to vent the frustration. I understand that, you know, it happens to me sometimes and all. But at the end of the day, they represent us, and they are as strong as we are. So if we want them to get stronger, we too have to get stronger. You know, I like that. If we want them to be stronger, we also have to be stronger. Mr. Rudder, thank you so much for spending the time with us right here on Conversations with the Artists. It really was pleasure. a pleasure. It's my pleasure. And on that note, we will play the final song, Rally Round West Indies. And until next time, please be careful. Please be safe. That has been Conversations with the Artists. For 10 long years, we rule the cricket world. Now the rule seems coming to an end But down here, just a trick in the armor Is enough, enough to lose a friend 
Tomás Gaito 